Welcome to Simply Christian, a podcast diving deep into the essentials of the Christian faith, heresies, and everything in between. I'm Isaac. And I'm John. I'm awake, bro. I'm awake too. Good morning to you and um, hello to you listeners. Last episode, we discussed a really cool subject, which was soul sleep. And I really loved unpacking that, discussing that. Um, but that leads us into this kind of this next episode, I think really perfectly, because last episode we began unpacking the resurrection and the reunification of our resurrected bodies to our spirits, which will already be with the Lord after we die. Now, the question is for this episode, what will the resurrection be like? Are we going to just kind of be eternally dwelling in bright white clouds, kind of disembodied for all eternity, kind of like a Michelangelo painting or something like that. And if so, I'm sure that's going to be awesome. Maybe God will reprogram our minds and we'll just kind of enjoy that, even though it's so different from what we experience here and how he's He's caused us to live now. But for a lot of us people, this has been a hard thing for us to imagine and we end up with like eternity anxiety you know it's a hard thing for us to imagine heaven being heaven being like this because it's caused a lot of us to really get stressed out thinking what's i'm gonna live in eternity and just kind of like you know some cloud setting maybe just like a spirit floaty i'm not really sure how to how to picture it so i have a whole lot of excitement for this episode and this subject because just in the past you know four or five six years it's been slowly progressing in my understanding of eternity and what eternity is like and with this new understanding of eternity, my eternity anxiety has really gotten a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. And now I have just this ever-growing excitement for a new heaven, but also a new earth. So I can't wait to talk about this. How can we kind of just unpack this subject and dive in in a way that listeners can follow along with us? Yeah, dude. So what, where, why, and when? That's mm-hmm. how. Awesome. Talk about <laughs> what is the resurrection um so what will our bodies be like where will we be during the resurrection so what will heaven be like is another way of asking that um why will there be a resurrection so is there a reason god will bring about a redeemed creation Mm. um and when will the resurrection take place how how long do we have to wait for this (laughs) yeah so yeah yeah Stay tuned for the end because we will set a date for you guys and we will let you know to mark your calendars. <laughs> Just joking. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so let's dive into it. So the what. We'll start with the what. What is the resurrection? Yeah. So if I had to give it a concise uh, answer, I would say it is the physical resurrection or restoration of our bodies and all of creation at the end of the age when Christ returns. Mm-hmm. And some people are resurrected unto life, and others are resurrected unto death or judgment. Right. And this is a big subject that we see beginning to be revealed, even in the Old Testament. And I have Daniel pulled up, Daniel chapter 12, starting at verse 2. Right at the end of Daniel, he says, um, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will wake, these to everlasting life, but the others to disgraced disgrace and everlasting contempt. So we start to get this picture revealed, which obviously the New Testament picks up on a whole lot and really dives into everlasting life, where we are going to be for eternity. Um, But we already see it here in the book of Daniel. It's already starting to be revealed that people are going to be raised to life. Um, So we get this beautiful picture of the resurrection already. And so I guess the question that we could ask now is, will this be physical? 
<clears throat> or is it kind of as we see in our minds sometimes and kind of have ingrained in us some for some reason, is it going to be just like this disembodied spiritual resurrection? Or is it going to be something physical that we can kind of relate to even now? Mm. Yeah, it's it's going to be physical. It's going to be physical. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yep. It's not going to be some weird ethereal up in the clouds kind of kind of deal. Yes. Which feels super weird and yeah, anxiety definitely. I I didn't want to think about the afterlife heaven um before I came to the biblical understanding of what it's actually going to be like. It sounded mm-hmm. scary and weird, you know? <laughs> well, this gets us to like <clears throat> the big question is what will our bodies be like? Um and we can ask this question, and I think there is <clears throat> definitely some um, unknown about this for sure. You know, you see in First John chapter three, verse one, uh, or right after, right after the very famous verse one. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, right after the very famous verse one, you know, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know, does, did not know Him. But then verse two, I love it. Um, John says this, he says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet appeared what we will be. And so even John himself is saying, we kind of don't fully know. We're not really sure. We don't know exactly what we're going to be like. But he does say this, he says, but we do know this. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And you start to get this little cracked door of we we don't know exactly, but we do know some things. Also, Paul says in the end of 1 Corinthians 13, he says, right now we see dimly, like a dim mirror, you know, but then we're going to see face to face. We're going to know just as we are known. Mm. Um, but there is a whole lot. So we could just kind of end the episode now and say, well, we don't really know. But I think there is a whole lot that scripture does begin to reveal yeah, for us to cling to and we can look to. And there's a whole lot of revelation that God does give that we can get a, a beautiful picture of what this is going to be like. There is, man. Yeah, yeah. I think a good place to go um, to kind of get a little bit more clarity is Second uh, Corinthians, the very end of chapter 4 and into chapter 5. So I'll start with uh, verse 16. So he's talking about enduring through suffering because of Christ and all these things. And he says, therefore, we do not give up, even though our outer person, our physical body, is being destroyed. Our inner person, our spirit, is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. In chapter 5, for we know that if our earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. Mm. Indeed, we groan in this tent, desiring to put on our heavenly dwelling, since when we are clothed, we will, be not, we will not be found naked. Indeed, we groan while we are in this tent, burdened as we are, because we do not want to be unclothed, but clothed so that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Mm-hmm. Now, the one who prepared us for this is, um, for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. And then, um, yeah, I think that's probably a good place to stop there. Mm. But basically what he's saying is like, he says, our desire isn't to be naked, unclothed, meaning not have a body. Mm-hmm. We want to be further clothed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We want to have... A, a better body, a physical, eternal body. Mm-hmm. So yes. if there's anything 
that we can get to kind of understand what our bodies will be like. Um, it is certainly going to be physical. Mm-hmm. So just as much as John and I are sitting across from each other right now and we see each other, we can touch the table and feel it. Yeah. And we're taking sips of our uh, our bubbly sparkling water. <laughs> Plug for our sponsor, Bubbly. Yeah. <laughs> Joking, we don't have any yet, but we will. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, um, yeah, like we can taste and you know, they're physical things, right? So, <sighs> so refreshing. Though. So refreshing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should get paid for that. Yeah, man. we That'd definitely should. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's going to be physical. So um, that's what... That's what we desire and that Paul is acknowledging. Like, we want that. That's why it seems so weird and we get anxious when we think it's not going to be physical because mm-hmm. we're made to be physical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's yeah. good to know it's actually, that's how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yes. Another passage which which is so wonderful about this is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So Paul's writing to the same audience that he was writing to in 2 Corinthians, this church in Corinth, and it seems like they maybe had some struggles with this. Um, and so Paul wants to kind of unpack the resurrection and we're just so grateful that he did and that they had these questions because now we can benefit from the questions that they were asking but he's talking about the resurrection and you know in the beginning of chapter 15 he starts saying like you know if there is no resurrection then our faith is futile um our preaching is in vain all of these things but he goes on to begin to elaborate about the resurrection and the end end of all things but he describes the resurrection starting in verse 42 he says the resurrection of the dead it our, our resurrection were sown a perishable body, and it is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. So we'll stop right there for a second. It's almost like he's, he's using an analogy of sowing seeds. You scatter seeds, and if I were to throw some acorns on the ground and bury them, when it is raised up as an oak tree, it's going to be so different. But in essence, the, the, the key word here is continuity. There's like this sown seed that when it grows and begins rising up from the ground, it just steam, seems altogether different. But at the same time, there's a continuity between the seed and the oak tree. And the same thing Paul is saying here is that it's sown one thing. The three words in the natural are perishable, dishonor, and weakness. But then in the spiritual, it's raised imperishable. It's raised in glory. It's raised with power. So now picking up in verse 44, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So then it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. Then the spiritual, the first man from the earth, earthy the second man is from heaven as is the earthy so are also those who are earthy as is the heavenly so are also those who are heavenly just as we have borne the image of the earthy we also bear the image of the heavenly and he says this now i say this brethren that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god nor does the perishable inherit the perishable. And so what Paul seems to be saying here is that there is this distinction between how we are living now in our bodies and these earthly bodies with flesh and blood that this cannot possess the kingdom of God, but there is going to be this resurrection, which we're going to be able to put some more skin on as this, uh, as this uh, podcast, and this episode continues. But as we are raised, we are raised with a new body. We have this new heavenly hope which as we're going to see also has this very strong physical component to it. 
while it's heavenly, it's also going to be this new heaven and this new earth that we can just be overjoyed to be filled with anticipation about what we can expect. It's going to be thrilling. Yeah, man. I'm super, super excited about that. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, so the next part we need to discuss is where will we be during this resurrection? Mm-hmm. So we know that our physical bodies, um, we're going to, in some degree or another, have you know new bodies that are physical, like ours are now. It sounds like even better mm-hmm. and whatnot, but where will we be? Like, are we just going to be, are we still going to be up in the clouds somewhere, but yeah. with physical bodies? My language on this has changed so much because you used to say like, you die and you go to heaven. Um, and I'm going to be in heaven forever. And there's a whole reality to that. That's so true. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to be in heaven. Um, but what often gets lost in, in these things is things are half true. And so we hold on to one part of it that's true, but we forget that the Bible says repeatedly that there's a new heaven and a new earth. Um, And so, you know, you see this in Isaiah. There's one passage I can just look at real quick in um, 2 Peter. And it says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burnt up. Um, But then it goes down to verse 13. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Sometimes this gets lost and we only cling to a new heaven, but we're actually looking for a new heaven and a new earth. So this gives us a kind of location. Um, and we have other passages that we have for this as well. Yeah. You want to read some of those? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Isaiah 65, verse 17 and following, um, says, For I will create new heavens and a new earth. The past events will not be remembered or come to mind. Then be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I will create Jerusalem to be a joy and its people to be a delight. And he goes on to explain uh, many different physical aspects of this new heavens and new earth. He talks about uh, joy, music, food, um, things of that nature, um, which is super awesome. Um, So, Mm -hmm. yeah, a real new earth. And then you have... Uh, Revelation 21, obviously, just such a wonderful passage. But um, John sees, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, just this fulfillment of everything that's been prophesied and spoke about in Scripture. He's like, here's the coming reality of it. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, where the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And so just listen to this. Like if we go back to Genesis, which I'm hoping we're going to continue to speak on uh, as this episode progresses, but in Genesis, it's like the heaven heaven and earth were one when God created it. There was no distinction. They were just both wrapped up in each other. Heaven and earth dwelled together, but sin enters. And now you see like the separation where, you know, heaven is often referred to as up, you know, uh, Jesus went up to heaven um, but you get these glimpses of there's some overlap, the tabernacle and Jesus dwells among us, but we look forward to the day when heaven and earth, there's going to be no distinction anymore. It's just, they're wrapped up together. We look forward to this very tangible, recognizable, eternal existence. And in some ways I kind of think that heaven will be like almost here, but in a sense, but so different, so transformed, radically sin has just been violently removed all that's left is perfection and it's hard for us to get our head around but in, in a sense another sense 
it's very easy to get our head around the fact that we'll have community that'd be like this new heaven and a new earth i'm imagining we can just like go explore you know do a lot of the things that we do now without any inhibitions of sin um tainting and corrupting us and destroying the the reality that we now currently have but right he sees this new heaven coming down out of heaven and it seems to reflect jesus's prayer when he says um father your kingdom come your will be done we don't just pray his kingdom remains far away but we see the kingdom coming down out of heaven adorned for her bride and that new heaven yes. and new earth intertwined again yeah dude exactly and that and that leads us right into the heart of god in the why there's even going to be a resurrection to begin with mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yes yeah it's like it goes like you said in genesis god intended for god and man to dwell together that's the whole reason he made us is he wanted to have that that communion with us and for us to glorify him and reflect him and all, all many other things can be said about that but when we see the unification of heaven and earth at creation and then sin severs that like there was the physical and the spiritual married together in a beautiful harmonious way Mm. and that's the ideal and that's how creation would have been had adam and eve not sinned that's how it would have been eternally so when we think about the future and god's intent and why he's going to resurrect is because he wants things to be like that again except in a more permanent better way Mm -hmm. so he's not going to do something less than that less awesome like (laughs) it's not going to be less awesome than the um than the garden of eden was it's going to be more awesome you know amen so he he desires to restore things back to the original creation and make it even better Mm -hmm. yeah and if you when you look at genesis there's a, a command that happens that god gives to to um, his people. <clears throat> and you see it right in verse 26 of chapter 1. First chapter of the Bible, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And he says this, he says, And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. It says, God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the earth. And so you imagine if if sin had not entered, if we can just toy with this idea for a second, they would have continued in sinless perfection, starting in this garden, but then advancing this beauty all around around the whole entire planet. Yeah. Um, it would have grown, and uh, we'd see perhaps instead of a garden, a city that would have been built, many cities, and the whole earth inhabited and populated with many, many people all walking in the perfect glory and likeness of God. Yeah, man. What's so wonderful is now we see a fulfillment of that in Revelation 21. He says, And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And so it's like this fulfillment of what would have been what that was lost in the first Adam, but then was brought to fulfillment in the second Adam, Jesus Christ, the righteous one who has brought us into his kingdom and now has this heavenly hope that awaits us in a new heaven and a new earth, fully redeemed, fully restored. 
And it gives a death blow to Gnosticism, really, you know, something that the early church had to fight against very, very heavily. And you see John, you know, doing it at the very beginning of his first epistle when he says, like, you know, Jesus Christ came in the flesh. We saw him. We touched him. We ate with him. You know, we we, we, we saw him with our, with our physical senses. He wasn't just a disembodied kind of spirit apparition, but he was real, came in the flesh. And unless you acknowledge that Jesus came in the flesh, you do not have life in you. Yeah. And so John was just saying, like, Jesus wants to redeem the flesh even too. And there is this physical reality that Gnosticism is completely undercutting yeah. God's plan and yeah. saying that flesh and material is evil and only the spirit is good. Right. But God's original intention was creation, including material, flesh, and body. Yep. Right. So, yeah, dude. so amazing. That is, that is. So uh, that gets us into probably the most exciting part. Well, it's mm-hmm. not the most exciting. <laughs> it's all exciting. But um, when will this resurrection happen? All right, guys, get your pens and your calendars. March 32nd, <laughs> 2027. <laughs> we're writing it down. We're locking it in. Um <laughs> Jesus says there's nobody knows the day or the hour, so we can't give you a date. But again, just like we said with John, and he says, we don't yet know what he's, we're going to be like, but we know that when he returns, we're going we're gonna to be like him. And then scripture kind of gives us these beautiful pictures of what we can kind of cling to and has been revealed to us that we can explore. I think the same thing happens. Even though we don't know the day or the hour, we do know that it's a future time in the future. But what are some scriptures that we can kind of look at? Yeah, so... Probably the most clear one is First Thessalonians 4, 13 and following. It says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you not do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive are Um, And our left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So the dead in Christ will rise first, um, implying that, you know, the people who are dead, they'll they'll rise from the dead first, and then we will rise from the dead. Um, Another passage is, uh, depending on how you take it, is in Revelation chapter 20, talking about the resurrection. Um, and Revelation in general is just a good place to go for that, especially at the end of the book anyways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you see right out of Jesus' mouth in a couple of places in the book of John, but elsewhere as well. Um, but John chapter 5, um, you know, you can start in verse 26. For just as the Father has life in himself, so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life. Those those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Next chapter, even in chapter 6, he says it a couple times. Um, John chapter 6, verse 40. For this is the will of my Father that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up 
And here's the when, not March 32nd, 2027, but on the last day. On the last and so day. We don't know when this is going to be, but at the end of this present age, there's going to be a time when Jesus comes and he will raise up his people um, who, have, who have died in Christ, but also we who are alive, if it happens to be you and I and our listeners here, um, the dead in Christ will rise first, then he will take us with him as well, but we will be raised up on the last day. And, you know, he says the, kind of the same thing in verse 44. Um, no one who comes, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. And so, if we're going to also talk about the who in this, we're getting the what, when, where, why. Also, the who is us getting raised up by who? Jesus Christ. He will raise us up when on the last day. Last Praise day. God for that. Hallelujah. He will raise us up, and when Jesus makes a a promise, he holds true to his word that he will raise his people up, and we will be with him forever. What a wonderful joy it is just to think about that. Yeah, it's awesome. So we come to our common objections section. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and so to start with a common objection, we don't actually always get this because sometimes we think of common objections that people and their interpretations of Scripture will come up with and be like, oh, well, what about this? How, do, how does this fit into what you guys are talking about? Here we get one directly from the Bible itself with not quoting scriptural writers, but people of the day when they were challenging Jesus about the resurrection. And this comes from a group of people called the Sadducees. And the Sadducees actually did not believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels either. There was a lot of supernatural things that they would discard. Um, But one of the things that they rejected was the resurrection. They believed that everything was here now. There's nothing at the end. They were sad, you see. (laughs) (laughs) They had much reason to be sad, you see? (laughs) So they ask an amazing question, though. I have to give it up because they must have thought about this and and come up with a wonderful like scenario that would really put me in a bind if it were to ask me. I would not know how to answer this question. So many times people come up with these questions, very elaborate for Jesus, trying to trap him. And I just love how Jesus is just untrappable. You cannot trap the untrappable. He is never out of his element. He always knows. And I just love our Lord Jesus, our elder brother, who we can always run to um, because he always had the answer. But listen to this question that they put forth to him. If there's a resurrection, really, how would you answer this? On that day, some Sadducees who say there is no resurrection, this is Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 23, they came to Jesus and questioned him, asking, teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, then his brother as next of kin shall marry his wife and raise up children for his brother. And so you get this old covenant um, law that says basically, you know, if, if I die and my wife hasn't had any children by me, then my brother should marry my wife and raise up children on my behalf. And the firstborn is going to carry my name so that my name will not die off. But he goes on, uh, they, they go on with their question. Now, there were seven brothers with us, and the first married and died, and having no children, left his wife to his brother. So also the second, and the third, down to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had married her. Interesting question. Who, If there really is a resurrection, who's she going to be married to? Maybe my answer might be, well, maybe the first. First was the, or maybe the last, because the last was the last one. I don't know what I would say to that, but listen to Jesus' answer. He says, but Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken, not understanding the scriptures nor the power of God. From the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, 
but are like angels in heaven. But regarding the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Ah, oh, epic. Epic, man. <laughs> and I love the response. This is when the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow. Man. It's just like that meme video. It's like, oh. <laughs> <up>. yes. <laughs> I always think of Jesus when he's coming into Jerusalem right at the final time. It's like way better. But, you know, those like old Clint Eastwood movies, he goes in and he's just got to face all the bad guys at the same time and the best of the best. And he just takes them all out. Like this is Jesus going into Jerusalem and they're giving the best of the best. Sadducees with their questions, the Pharisees with their questions. And he's just like taking them out. Yeah. Nothing that they can do to stop him. Well, um, love it. He is God. Yes. Amen. Yeah, man. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so how about, so this, so in reality, so it's not very logical for people to object to this type of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't like that? The idea of God perfecting creation and resurrecting creation and, and life being kind of like how it is now, except without sin and even better, mm-hmm. but physical still. Like, that sounds awesome. I've never heard anyone say, oh, that I don't like that idea. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be some ethereal place up in the clouds somewhere. Like, that, <laughs> that sounds boring. So um, the I think... The main issue, though, with this whole topic is that people have been ingrained with this idea of a sub-physical or not physical afterlife. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Hmm. I mean, one thing that comes to my mind is pop culture. Um, I think when afterlife is presented, um, you know, cartoons, you know, uh, what is it? Um, Tom and Jerry, Tom dies. And all of a sudden you see his like little floaty guy go up from his body and he's playing a harp. And, um, you know, or you even get things that are, are real in our society. We mentioned earlier, the Michael, Michelangelo, you know, paintings, um, the Sistine Chapel and, you know, stuff like that. It's just presented kind of like this cloud, you know, and, you know, there's harps and all these kind of cliche things. But, um, I think some of that has to do with it. Um, it's just basically the, pop culture in a sense um we we see it and we kind of cling to it um but i think there's also just like this i don't know inside of us this uh misunderstanding this um uh thought that heaven has to be so different than this because it's got to be better than this and so the only thing i can think of that has no sin in it is um, a full removal of all physical physicality you know to to existence and so if i'm going to think of heaven for eternity with no sin no evil then all material has to be gone <laughs> you know and maybe our subconscious does that but i don't know i think it's also taught too i mean what do you like you got <laughs> yeah. some experience with? i this. got some experience with this so <laughs> i had a pastor um once he was, he was preaching and in passing he was talking about people who don't like church like talking about like a church service He's like, well, if you don't like church, a church service, then you're going to hate heaven because that's all it is. <laughs> and I remember just sitting there like, oh my gosh, dude, like, really? I'm sorry. If that's what you think the afterlife is, dude, like, I'm sorry. He's going to be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> but, you know, that's like, I, I know he didn't intend to, to say something heretical, but that's heresy. <laughs> that really is like to say like, yeah, um, 
the afterlife is just going to be one church service. We're just going to be standing, sitting down, you know, singing hymns, all these things. Like, if what he meant by that was worshiping God, then yeah, but like, that's that's a very narrow view of worship because mm-hmm, yeah. worship is the whole life of a Christian. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, I don't think many of the people who are listening bought it, thankfully. That's good. I yeah. think they, you know, probably didn't think about it too much before he said it, but that is kind of the inherent like view that people have mm-hmm. for, for some reason, like you said, you know, pop culture and whatever else. And it's, it's really sad. I think people would really look forward to, um, Christ returning much more because I used to think like, oh, I don't want Jesus to return yet because there's all these things I want to do. I want to get married first. And all. Mm-hmm. it's like, oh my gosh, dude, like I was not thinking of it. Right. Like yeah. the, the, the new heaven and new earth is going to be insanely awesome. Yes. Like insanely awesome. Yes. It's going to be physical. It's going to be real. There's going to be music and culture and food. Uh-huh. And we're going to be with God and our brothers and sisters throughout all of history yes. who have been faithful to our Lord. Like, mm-hmm. dude. Yep. <laughs> ah. Amen. Yeah. And I, I, a couple passages just have come to my mind um, and just, just since we've been recording this, but we get this picture in Isaiah chapter 25, um, which Jesus seems to pick up on at the Last Supper. He says, like, I've, I've anxiously desired to eat this meal with you. And he says, but I won't eat it again until the kingdom of God. Um, but it seems like it picks up, he's picking up on Isaiah 25, um, and even 27, just but a couple of verses, but he says, the Lord, Yahweh of hosts, will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow and refined aged wine. And then you get chapter 27, um, in that day, a vineyard of wine, sing of it, I, the Lord, am its keeper. I water it every moment so that no one will damage it. I guard it day and night. And so God's just like, I'm preparing this thing that's I'm describing as a physical thing with choice pieces and aged wine. Um, Jesus even says uh, that, he says, many will come on that day from the north, the south, the east, and the west, from the four corners of the earth, and will come and dine at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But you yourself, Israel, who's rejecting is coming you will see yourself thrust out but he says he describes it as a table um and just imagine that you know that's, that's something i can cling to i know what a table is i know what joy is i know what enjoying um pleasures are sin stand as they are in this current dwelling god is painting this picture i believe very strongly of something that we have to look forward to that will have this continuity from what we experience right now but yet radically different in that it's without sin and so much <laughs> without sin so we'll be able to enjoy it so much more thoroughly you know and i can only imagine but my imagination has i'm uh, free to enjoy like you know walking the streets of gold you know um having a body that doesn't get tired um having a body that um can s- sit down with a lion you know and there's not going to be any you know he's not going to want to attack me but we'll just have this redeemed creation which I hope we can talk about in a second but just this beauty of you know being able to explore being able to build being able to have like these projects that I'm working on with people as I'm fulfilling Colossians 3:17 whatever you do do all of the glory of the Lord so I will be worshiping him forever but it might be some of the day he's walking with me in the cool of the day and then another yeah. part of the day, I'm, you know, in the garden with Isaac, you know, kind of like planting some stuff or building. And, you know, yeah. I get uh, Elijah 
and Noah. And I'm like, all right, let's build a big boat, you know, <laughs> show me how to do it. You know, I, I just, I can, I can only imagine, and it doesn't say this in the Bible, but I think now my imagination is just so enthralled with it the frees, joy. It frees you. It really, it really does. Like, and the cool part is like, if we think all of those things are awesome, how much more so is it really going to be awesome? <laughs> like, if that's what we can conceive of now in yeah. our fallen state, yeah. then like, it's only going to be better. So much better. Oh, my goodness, man. Oh. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So I think to wrap it up, um, a passage I would encourage you guys to read is Romans chapter 8. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that passage, particularly in verses uh, 18 to 25, just talk about all of creation groaning and longing for this resurrection. Mm-hmm everything's going to experience that except for um well so even even the even the uh those who are condemned and those who have not been faithful to our lord will experience a resurrection but it will be a resurrection unto death but everyone who is in in christ united to him by faith and all of creation will experience that resurrection unto life and eternal life and bliss awesomeness so yeah um so i think that's all for today's episode consider subscribing for more simply christian content and until next time